Turn to Ruth, chapter 4. We're moving through the book of Ruth for the season of Advent. Tonight we'll look at verses 13 through 17, and then Pastor Alex will complete the genealogy of David tomorrow, Christmas morning. Well, it was festive seeing everybody come in and talk. Everybody's in such a good mood. It's such a good time, such a great season for this. And we're, we're thankful our lions love to give. We love to give. 400 yards rushing and just blew a playoff trip away. It's, that's, that's us. But we're used to that. Ruth chapter 4. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall give to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Advent season, a timely pause that we take culturally and even the church. We, of course, embrace the church calendar to focus uh, not only on Jesus' first advent, but His second advent. And Lord, tonight we think of so many in our church, we want to be mindful to pray for them. We pray for Virginia Mitchum, who uh, is going to undergo a, a difficult season to attempt to manage her leukemia. So we pray for her. And we pray that you'll give her strength as she goes through this battle. And uh, you'll give, of course, Larry great uh, comfort and hope. We can't help but think of the Loganall family, Lord. And, and we think of Donna as seemingly she's on the verge of passing from this life to the next life. A year long in the hospital, Lord, we have not seen anything like it in, in my life. I, I pray tonight your grace would be strong with Randy. I pray you will uphold and strengthen the Loganau household. Lord, help them to rejoice in the joy of a thing that only Jesus can give us. And uh, 
we ask that you'll be with them. We thank you for the good news of Dave Lee's surgery on his back, that uh, we pray that you'll restore him to health. Uh, it was a good report to begin with, and the success of the surgery, we pray, uh, dear God, you'll, you'll put him as well on his, his feet, and he'll be able to, to go about uh, life, and they'll re rejoice as the Lee family. Think of Don Rice, Lord. And uh, he's been through this season of heart attack and it's been very difficult for him and uh, Mary as she's suffered with the flu. Don even having to go back into the hospital. But Lord, we commit Don to your care um, and ask, Lord, that you'll give... Um, Mary strength. And Lord, for all others that have come out tonight and for our church that has gone across, even those that aren't here, for various family um, seasonal things of the Christmas season, if they're traveling in state or out of state, pray you would be with them. And Lord, just, just help them to know that as we even worship you now, Jesus, we give you thanks for who you are and what you did. And we pray for these things and ask for them in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why would you be here tonight? Uh, it's, it was 10 degrees when I, when I looked, last, last look at the car. And that's not windshield. It seems to me like this is the coldest it's been in a while, in a few winters. But uh, for this part, we've had a tremendous, obviously, November and December. But, but to come out on this kind of a night, you know, would it be for a, a simple folklore? Would, would you come out for something like this for, you know, just a, some simple tradition carried on? Um, I don't think so. I don't think you would. I know I wouldn't. Um, that's not what I would want to give my life to and certainly wouldn't come out in something like this for this. We know that Ruth is a historical book. Uh, we've noted this along the way. Um, and yet it's much more. You can clearly see as we have saw from the beginning and as we continue to move through and in this text tonight, Ruth is a love story. It's a beautiful love story. It's a great heroic endeavor that takes place uh, where we're at the time in the passage tonight where, where Ruth and Boaz marry. And their love story really is just a pointing. It probably is the greatest love story given to us in the Old Testament. But their love story simply points us to the grandest love story and the greatest love story ever told. That story, of course, is about Jesus. Because we believe that the Old Testament isn't Jewish Scripture, we believe it to be Christian Scripture. God has given all of His Scripture inspired by God, and all of the Scripture is about Jesus. And so we don't disregard the text, right? We, we're trying to move through the book of Ruth faithfully, 
to see what happened within the context because God gave every book in the Bible for its context. And whomever is writing it through the power of the Holy Spirit, it was written for a specific need that the readers would read it and understand it for its time. That's even true of the book of Revelation. That's even true of the book of Ezekiel. That's even true of the book of Daniel. The readers would have understand that. I think it's very important that we always keep that in mind because out of Ezekiel and out of Daniel and out of the book of Revelation, what we get as the major theme is that Jesus is going to win the victory. He's going to win. And He has won. It's already been accomplished, and yet it still remains to be accomplished. So in this brief little small text, I want you to notice tonight with me two things. We're going to talk about just for a few moments, because I know you're all hungry. We're going to talk about gospel marriage, and we're going to talk about gospel homes. Gospel marriage and gospel homes. Look at verse 13, the very first phrase. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Gospel marriage. Boaz and Ruth get married. And then the celebration ensues. Traditionally in Jewish living, that would have been a week long. How do you like that? A week long wedding reception together. And then the husband would take a year off of work and spend that first year with his bride. This is really, as we've moved through this, this is the hallmark ending we've all wanted all along, right? I mean, there was a little anticipation last week as Pastor Alex delivered to us that Boaz got shrewd. And, uh, you know, because every man does when he wants to capture his girl. Marriage, though, I want you to understand this clearly is a gospel witness to the world. And that's true even of marriage of two unredeemed people. Now, think about this. The 66 books make up one book. The very apex of creation ends, and it's the focal point of what God did in creation. Uh, So the beginning of the age begins with a marriage. Adam and Eve, God who ordained marriage and designed married, uh, designed marriage, uh, He put together Adam and Eve in a marital ceremony. The text tonight that was read in our scripture reading to open us uh, from our elder Zach refers that Paul says this: that he, there's a new twist is is put on it about to th- how to think about marriage. That God had designed marriage in the beginning in the garden to reveal a mystery of Jesus' relationship to His church. And not to spoil the ending, because I know you all know it, and you've been there. You go to Revelation chapter 21, in the consummation, after the judgment takes place, in the age to come, It begins with a wedding, an incredible wedding of Christ in the church, and then a 
an eternal, really, celebration goes on. So we love weddings. I mean, we, we, you know, we're, we love weddings. And that wedding, as it takes place, the Scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that the marriage supper of the Lamb comes along. It's clear when you're reading the Bible, just casually, that, that God loves marriage. You know, God's not some cosmic killjoy destroying everybody's fun. Uh, rather, our God is the happy king who tells his son to go win his bride. And it's all going to end in a very uh, blissful ending. Human history is not going to be bleak. Oh, it'll be bleak on those that reject Jesus. I hope that's not any of you. But human history is coming to a glorious eternal end. It, it's not going to end. And it begins that age to come in this beautiful marriage. God's Son, Jesus, and the church. The white candle, the Christ candle, represents to us our sinless Savior, Jesus. And if you recall, we focused on four things that Advent does. There really has happened to all of us that are in relationship of, with Jesus. Think of this. We have hope. You know, as they eagerly awaited, and as the Holy Spirit would author the Old Testament, this takes place about a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. As Ruth made her way back to Bethlehem, so did Joseph and Mary, and then of course uh, baby Jesus came. And as He came, the world was given hope. And you and I sat here tonight, and we will tomorrow morning, and man, we have hope. We have hope. It's so sad because so many people that, that we live around do not have hope. It's really painful to see that, but we're not those people. The Bible tells us that even in death, the Christian mourns, but we don't mourn as if we don't have any hope. We have hope because this is a blip to what's ahead. So hope resonates with us. Secondly, we have peace. Wow, thank God for His peace. Because you remember that crisis of your soul that was going on prior to knowing Jesus. Uh, you know, and I know for me, my soul was troubled. I knew I was under God's wrath. And I literally, as a 12, 13-year-old, I thought I was going to die and go to hell. And burst into my parents' room so overly convicted. The Holy Spirit uh, bringing faith to me. Pointing out that I can't do anything with my sin and I can't hide it. That trouble gave way to a peace that I've had since that night. It's a peace. Grace covers the sin and peace comes to the soul. And everyone in here 
that knows Jesus can identify with that. We have peace. No matter what is going on in the world, no matter what turmoil you're, you're struggling with, we, we have peace. Thirdly, we have joy. And it's a joy that the Bible tells us that only God can give. The biggest trial of my life was looking at my parents and their death. And yet, really, in the, in the deep recesses of my heart when I saw them, lifeless, traveling from Michigan to Tennessee to preach each of their funerals 15 months apart, I'm telling you something was moving there that did not have comprehension because I had no happiness. But man, I had this joy. Everything that I knew that was a part of their life that they gave their lives to was, was then a reality in a moment. I had joy. It's a joy that, that we can enjoy no matter what the stress level is that you're enduring. And then lastly, of course, we can love. We can love. We're free to love. We're free to love every person in the world God brings into our lives because the gospel is free. And what's so freeing about that is that I know that Christ loves me. He genuinely loves me. And He pulls me to Himself with hope and peace and joy and love. God loves marriage from beginning to end. Boy, man will mess it up. You think about that. He gives one man and one woman in Genesis chapter 2. And I think it's about chapter 4 of Genesis. And Lamech takes two wives. You know, man, he's going to act on every lustful part he has and what he wants. But you know, to this, to this picture, when it tells us, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, it gives us right away into the second aspect of this, and that is that we want to have gospel family. We want to have gospel homes. This is such a beautiful text. Boaz and Ruth have a baby. God loves marriage. God loves children. Jesus says, hey, let, permit those children to come to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus loves children. He loves what's going on around here. <laughs> Hear all those beautiful sounds. He loves children, man. So he loves children, we should love children. But here's what I want you to notice about this, please. Do not miss this. And the Bible says there in verse 13, and he, that's Boaz, went into her, that is, they had a sexual relations, that's Ruth, and the Lord gave her conception. And she bore a son. Children come from God in the womb at conception. That's why we're not to harm the womb. That's why around here we're pro-life. We're against the murdering of what God gives. 
Do you understand that? Please don't miss that. It's God that gives conception. You know, it took us 11 years to have kids. You didn't bring your notebook tonight. It took us 11 years. We went everywhere to see specialists. But here's what we committed our hearts to. It is the Lord that opens the womb. The Lord. It doesn't matter if that baby is handicapped or not. We're doing some despicable things in this nation. God loves kids, man. And you know what? Jesus, He, he gives, He authors life in the womb. God makes Alive, a soul at conception, not at physical birth. Imagine all the people that are in heaven. Life begins in the womb. Children are the grace gifts of God. Read, read Psalm 127 and 128. If somehow you have a hardened heart against that, look at the Word of God. Listen, just as a Christian, our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're not doing anything individualistically. God saved us, and then He gave us marriage to resist our selfishness. He actually gave us tangible existences. We're pro-life. Because God is pro-life. And here's why. The home, the gospel home, is the mission field. It's a mission field. He didn't give you children to raise Bill Gates or Barry Bonds or Wayne Gretzky. I can't say that guy just broke the record. Otherwise, they'd say him. I know Mike is so disappointed in me right now. What's that dude's name? Ovechkin. Just broke the scoring record. You know, God does not give children for our own personal possessions to do what we want to do. Silly Americans. He gives them to create gospel homes. And when two people come together, and man, they, they know what's going on here. Boaz and Ruth. Boaz says, wow, she's a catch, man. I'm going to work this deal out. Submitting it to the divine sovereignty of God. We've already seen this, and Ruth goes down there, you know. She makes a move. She steals the covers. All that weird stuff that happens. They, they let the cards down. Man, you know, I love you and I love you. Well, next thing you know, they're married. And as a result, God grants them with beautiful grace gifts. Grace gifts. That's what children are. Children aren't a problem. It's crazy how many people we bump into 
that they're disgusted with their children. I don't get it. Man, I'm, I don't want them back. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're raised, okay? But man, I adore them. I do. Still to this day. Not a one of them can beat me in golf, and I'm tougher than all three of them combined. But I adore them. Why? I mean this, first and foremost, because God gave them to me. He gave them to me. Wow. Through this, the text tells us, look at verse 14. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. See, you see how focused these people are? Oh no, let's just not go to church. No, man, they're ble- they know what's happening. No, it's God who gives conception. We're going to rejoice in the good hand of God. We're blessed of the Lord. That's what, that's what they're saying. They're blessed of the Lord, both Ruth and Naomi, as the text unfolds here, through their Redeemer, Boaz. And as it continues forward uh, here, as it talks about in verse 14 and 15, Boaz is a Redeemer. Boaz is a restorer of life. Boaz is a nurturer for Naomi in her old age. Boaz redeems Ruth. Boaz restores Ruth. Boaz nourishes Ruth as a husband does his wife. And inside of this grandiose blessing, Naomi herself is protected. Man, now think back to chapter 1. Things were desperate. People's dying all over the place. Family is dying all over the place. And it looks like they're going to die. We don't get that. But I'm telling you, that's what was going on. That's what this is about. Well, as we transition to close, I want you to see this. Because the rest of us is going to be taken up tomorrow in the genealogy through Pastor Alex. As a result of all these things, Naomi becomes... The nurse to this child. Look at that last text. Then they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse. The father of David. And we all know who comes through that lineage. Our own king. Jesus. That's why we're here tonight. Though it's cold outside. So let's reread this in, in light of Christian Scripture. We've, we've explained the text within its context, but I want you to think about this. So Jesus took the church and made her His bride. That's how verse 14 could read, or verse 13 could read. Just as Boaz does took Ruth. That is a wedding pinpoint that pushes us forward to a greater wedding. And that wedding takes place yet to come in a historical moment on this earth. Jesus will have His bride and an eternal celebration will ensue. The marriage supper of the Lamb. From Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, we know that no one loves the church like Jesus. 
Think about this. Jesus has redeemed us. Redeemed. You know what that means? He's bought us back. We were enslaved to sin. Headed for hell and wrath. And Jesus snatched us back. Helpless to save ourselves. He bought us back. By His own blood. He redeemed us. And now, He restored us to life. You know, Ruth had no life. You had no life. Man, I had no life. Headed for death. Who cares if it lasted a hundred years? The last 20, I won't, wouldn't know my name. That's such a blip to eternity. Jesus saves a person and He restores them to life. And then as we walk in this dark world, in this dark, difficult world, you know what He does? He nourishes us. You feel that big, powerful, omnipotent arm. And He just pulls you to Himself when you're weak. And even when you're strong. And He nourishes you. Because He loves you. And because you belong to Him. The truth is, there is no life apart from Jesus. So on this cold December night, remember this. Life's hard. A lot of you right now are under the gun. I prayed for many. Maybe some of you just barely made it in here. Life's hard. And if it's flying high for you right now, oh, you better watch out. Because you're going to be crying. <laughs> because life is hard. It's difficult. And for all of us, while life is hard, man, Jesus is better. Long into your life will come many great challenges and pain and sorrow. Listen to this. In all of these events, they come from God's good hand. Especially the difficulties. To take you and to draw you Closer to Jesus. That's the whole design of the struggle of life and trials. Jesus has designed for you the specific trial that you will go through throughout all your life to test your faith, to find out if you're true. Not one of His children avoid that. Not one. We will all experience it in various degrees. And so when those difficulties come, draw closer to Jesus. Don't walk to get to Him. Run. Run as fast as you can. Because no one loves you like Jesus. No one. Not your spouse. Not your children. Not your best friends, Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, now tonight as we get to really practice for the future in the Eucharist, in the taking of the table, oh Lord, we want to do so with thankful hearts. Rebuke us in our sin against You. Help us to rejoice in gospel marriage, Lord, as we do. Help us rejoice in gospel homes and the giving of children as You give them. Help parents to see their families, to understand the will of God for marriage, to make gospel homes. Give us some more men like Boaz that will redeem their families and restore them and nourish them. Lord, work in us something special and even more for 2023. Because Jesus, You are truly better. And there is no life apart from You. Bless us now as we take Your beautiful table. We ask in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.